grab it and let's go to the book of John chapter 5. Now, um, if you have never been here, uh, this is new to you, um, sometimes we go through series that may last four weeks or six weeks. Sometimes we'll take a book of the Bible, and uh, albeit most of the time it's a short book of the Bible that we'll go through, um, and then oftentimes we'll take a long book and we'll just camp out there for a little while. So, and we've done that with Exodus, Romans, and now we're in John. And so we've been in John for the past several weeks. Uh, don't feel like you're, gonna, you're missing out on anything if, if you are new with us, uh, because I think what today is uh, going to lead us into is this idea that Jesus is drawing us all back to the same theme um, that you'll find in the uh, Bible. I should probably turn off my phone uh, this morning. Uh, so, John chapter 5, I think what you're going to find uh, this morning is that there is this understanding or, or probably this uh, longing inside of all of us to have fulfillment, uh, to have a sense of freedom uh, in our life, uh, but to understand uh, how to live practically as a believer in Christ, you really ought to understand your position and who you are in Christ Jesus. Um, I, I would venture to say this, that freedom, fulfillment, um, is something that you and I are all chasing after in some way uh, or another. In fact, it's probably a driving force in your life. Uh, in fact, let me, let me explain it to you like this so we all understand. Uh, when you're born, uh, you have this desire to do something. Right now I have uh, a nearly 13, a nearly 8, and a nearly 2-year-old. And I've seen how their desires vary uh, from age to age to age, right? So right now, my 2-year-old, his desire is to, um, for juice. That's all he wants. He's like, juice, 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 juice. I mean, the dude is juiced up. In fact, it is you can tell because it looks like he has a bowling ball uh, tucked in his shirt, but that's all that juice that's just been piled up in that big old fat belly of his, right? Eventually, maybe not, I don't know, I'm just going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and assume this, his desire is going to change. His desire is going to change now to where probably eventually he'll be like my near eight-year-old. Now her desire is just to, JK, nine, I got, I got all y'all kids figured out. I don't. Um, She's going to be nine, right? I'm trying to hold on to her. That's all I'm doing, y'all. Um, now, her desires are different, right? And then we get into the preteens and the teenage years. Their desires become a little bit more demonic, right? <laughs> Is that right, parents? That's, an, that's a correct assumption. You know, and then eventually, God help me, y'all. Y'all need a lot of prayer. They'll turn 16, and so now their desires really start to kick in. Dad, I need the keys. Dad, I need a car. And then, like... Their desires is like, now I need a, I need to get out of high school. And then it turns into, now if I could just get into college. And then your desire turns into, because you're in college, you're supposed to find your spouse in college, I guess. That's what they do. Um, and now I need a spouse. And then you're like, well, this ain't really kicking it. Now I need a kid. Said no one ever. <laughs> but you think that this child is going to fulfill you, so then you have kids. And suddenly your fulfillment has turned into this pendulum to where now it's swinging all back. So now, now you have kids. What's your next desire? Well, now I got to get them in school. 
Well, now I got to get them a car. Well, now I got to get them out of high school. Well, now I got to get them into college. Well, now they need to find a wife. And so you find yourself in the cycle. And then when you get married, what do you got to do? Well, now I got to get a better car. Got to get a bigger car. Now I got to get a house. Now this house ain't kicking it for me. Now I got to get a bigger house. You see how this is like crazy? In some way and somehow we have made this how we find fulfillment in our life where we got to just go to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, thinking that this in some way is going to give you fulfillment. Now, the problem with that is that you have this idea that self-seeking is going to satisfy you. The thing that I've learned with self-seeking is that it is actually destructive. You're trying to fill a void inside of your life with relationships with possibly an addiction with something and you think that that thing is going to give you fulfillment here's where our text is this morning Jesus is going to address not a physical issue not just a physical issue but Jesus is about to address this man's heart because ultimately through Jesus addressing your heart that's where you find your fulfillment and your freedom. Now, here's Jesus entering on the scene here in John chapter 5. This is a really cool uh, passage. This is actually in the northern section of Jerusalem, and, and they have since now unearthed underneath St. Anne's uh, church in Jerusalem where there were two pools. Now, you've heard this story probably, the pools of Bethesda, right? And so now they have actually unearthed this in the early 1900s. And so here's Jesus entering into that section through, the Bible would say in just a second, the sheep gate. Now I think the Bible is so fascinating uh, because what they would use, the sheep, the sheep gate was used to bring the sheep towards the temple because they were about to be sacrificed. So here's Jesus giving us this incredible foreshadowing of what he's about to do. So with that in mind, let's pick it up in verse 1. And this is kind of a complicated thing because some of your ver- scriptures may leave out a couple verses, but hang tight, we'll explain. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now, some of your translations are going to skip right to verse 5. All right. Now, there has been a lot of argument and debate over this. Why is this section uh, taken out? Now, mainly because most people who were original translators of the uh, Greek text here saw that there were asterisks right there at these verses, meaning that as they transcribed and then uh, kept going down the line, that they thought that this verse probably was not in the original text. Okay. So that's just debate. You can argue about it. I ain't got time for that. Uh, But, you know, I think the fact that Jesus worked here is essentially the story, not whether or not an angel came. Okay. Everybody all right with that? All right. Y'all are good this morning. Now, verse 5. One man was there who was disabled, who had been disabled for 38 years. Now, I'm not even 38, so I can't really imagine that. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Now, let's just stop right there for a minute because this is hilarious. 
this story, and I think this was going to prove what I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting at the beginning of this. The story is not just about Jesus addressing just a physical ailment here. This is about many barriers that come with your freedom, that come with you finding that fulfillment uh, in your life. So Jesus here is asking this man who he, he knew was going to, he was there for 38 years if he wanted to be free from his sickness because that should cause an alarm in our brains. Because I would ask the question, why would Jesus have to ask this question? Why is Jesus asking him? The obvious answer is, duh! Like, come on, Jesus. Why do you have to ask him if he wants to be well? Because you knew he's been there for 38 years. Why do you have to ask this joker, do you want to be well? It could be, and this is just Matthew talking here, okay? It could be that this man had grown so satisfied with his state that he had just grown accustomed to being the invalid or, or the disabled. Because I think what Jesus is really asking him, not does, not does he want to just be well physically, but do you want to be well in your heart? Because those two are quite different. So Jesus is asking him, do you want to be free? Because total freedom is going to look completely different than the life you've been living for 38 years. So Jesus is asking him, and he's warning him that freedom is going to bring about a radical change. Now, I find this interesting because I also ask the question, why does he even have to ask this question? Like, why does Jesus even have to ask this man, does he want to be well? I think that probably, and again, this is Matthew speculating. There's not a lot of speculation going on in this sermon, just a couple points here. Um, this is just me, me talking uh, here. What would happen, though, if, if we could honestly believe that Jesus could actually change a circumstance in our life? Like, what, what would actually happen? What would your life look like if you honestly believed that Jesus could change a circumstance uh, in your life? I call this the lame mindset, thinking that nothing ever changes in your life, right? This is what I call the lame, not, not a play on words from the text that this man is a lame man, but this is a lame mindset, right? Nothing will ever change. It's always been like this. My marriage has always been like this. My, I've physically always been like this. So I'm just going to resolve in my heart that this is just the way it is. I've fallen into that trap uh, many of times. Um, so, so here's what Jesus does, and he's, he's going to show him what freedom looks like. Um, for this sick man, he thought that he just needed to be healed from uh, his sickness, but Jesus is about to expose something here. Um, that's a hard issue. So look at verse 7 here. Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into this pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. I don't know if you caught this, but that sounds like an excuse. Amen. All right, let's just real talk for just a second. 
Now, I don't know the severity of this man's sickness. I don't know if he could, like, literally not move. Or I don't know what all is going on with him. We know he's, he's disabled, right? I, I've been sitting here for 38 years. He's been sitting there for 38 years. How did he eat? Surely somebody had to give him some food. Right? Like, surely there was somebody helping him. I mean, I'm just speculating here, but he hasn't, like, shriveled up and died from starvation. Couldn't he have at least asked some of these people who were actually helping him with at least food? And again, this is just me talking here. Could he have at least asked for help? This sounds like an excuse to me. And the reason why it's an excuse is, again, because he had grown so accustomed to living in this lifestyle that true freedom would have required him to change the way he had been acting. So here's what Jesus is dramatically exposing to us this morning, that true freedom is going to change your life. It's not just going to make you a better person. Jesus isn't addressing necessarily the physical ailment, or Jesus isn't addressing just necessarily uh, a behavioral issue. Jesus is always addressing the heart of the issue. Again, this is the question Jesus had been asking since chapter 3. Do you want life? Do you want fulfillment? Do you want joy? Do you want hope? Then come to me. And this is what Jesus is essentially asking this man. Listen, I can make you look better and I can heal you, but that's not going to change the way you are. You know, a lot of times, and I, and I see this, we think that um, if, if we just break an addiction uh, or if we, uh, you know, find that thing that we all think that's going to bring us fulfillment, is going to uh, give us this eternal joy, uh, we, we find ourselves just find, going back to different things that will fulfill us. And we understand that this is not. And it's crazy. Amen. So Jesus is addressing again the heart. He's exposing you and I that the issue is the heart. Amen. So here he is. Sir, I ain't got nobody to come help me. This pool been stirred. The white coming, someone go down ahead of me. Now, I don't think he's from Hughley, but I, in my mind, this is what he sounds like. Uh, one of those Hughleyites always got an excuse. And so Jesus says, get up. Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so insert now the religious folk. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. <laughs> this was a man-made rule. Yeah. You see how church folk do? <laughs> I ain't talking about none of y'all. Because <laughs> we, we, all, we got it together, y'all, right? man he's been bound for 38 years and all the church had to say to him is why are you walking with your mat on the sabbath <laughs> i mean to me this is sad like like seriously like that's all the church people could say to him y'all know those people that can never be happy for you Amen. i mean if you don't then you need to go onto like facebook 
<laughs> that demonic social media presence. Like nobody's happy for nobody. I mean, you, I can just go on there just for like a minute. You're like, like, hey, I got this new job. Bet. Won't last there for a minute. Bet they're going to fire you. Right? Hey, I got this job or I got this car. And they're like, well, I got a better one. Y'all ain't never met those kind of people. I got plenty of those people I could send your way if you don't know any of them, okay? It's like, it's like, I'm free, I'm whole, I, I've, I've, I've finally broke this addiction. And the people that you thought would be there to support you are there going, well, I wonder how that's going to last. Yeah, how long are you going to actually be free from that? Yeah, we'll see. We'll be the judge of that when you're actually free. Here are the church people coming up in here in the scene, and all they worried about is why are you walking with a mat on the Sabbath? <laughs> this is stupid. The reason why they could not rejoice in his freedom is because they were still bound. Amen. Bound by this toxic religious mindset. Bound by their own desires bound by their control that they wanted to have. Here's Jesus just unleashing freedom on these people. So he replied, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Well, who was this man who told you pick up the mat and walk, they asked. Verse 13 says, but the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus went on ninja style and slipped away into the crowd that was there. That's not in the Bible. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Now, this is not advocating that your sin always is attached to a sickness. You may be sick just because you're in a broken world. Okay, so don't, please, please don't, read that when you say that when you see this here notice how the encounter of Christ is different this time first time he addresses his physical issue pick up your mat and now he is addressing something else now he's addressing his heart because the first time wasn't good enough for him again you can clean up your act for just a minute you can break your addiction for just a minute. You can get your relationship. You can just tweak it. almost a twerk it, but that wouldn't be the right word. You can <laughs> tweak it. Uh, the, calm down. Uh, you can tweak it. I guess if I almost said it and I didn't say it, then I probably shouldn't have said it. But anyway, uh, you, can, you can tweak that relationship just a little bit. And you can put on, like, your church face. You can look the part, but still there's something empty inside of you. It's because Jesus didn't just come to die for just this one issue in your life. He came to make you whole. Amen. Jesus is exposing to them, like, listen to me. I didn't come just to make you look good. I didn't come to so that you can say, look, look how good I am. Look how pretty I am. Look, I can walk now. What's so that you can rot in hell? 
You may look beautiful on the outside, but here's Jesus saying, listen, you got that part right, but there's still an issue, and it's your heart. So now Jesus is addressing his heart because that's where freedom comes. Remember, this has been the theme of Jesus for several chapters. Jesus at the well with the woman, right, goes immediately, just shoots daggers right at her heart. Nicodemus gets right to him at his heart because that's how we find fulfillment in our life is that when Jesus addresses your heart and the only response that you have to have with this is total surrender. Now, let me just give you two things because that was just my introduction. Just two quick things, but these things will go really fast. Well, before I do that, let me I skip verse 15. Let me read verse 15. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Oh, that Jesus. I can't believe he was doing that. See what hyper-religion does to you? Hyper-spiritualism? Let me give you just two quick things about freedom. Freedom, fulfillment, new life in Christ, whatever we want to call it, is a process. Think about this man for 38 years, all right? So ain't never one of y'all got an excuse. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess unless you've been dealing with something for 39 years, but we're going to assume a lot of us don't have that excuse, okay? Here is this man, and he is in this process. One of the dangers that I find um, in, in our Christian faith and in a lot of our a lot of the people I know is that we get so frustrated. We get frustrated because we're not as far as we think we ought to be, or this is the one that I encounter a lot, that we, we get frustrated because, well, why is that person further along than me in their walk with faith? Can I just, can I help us out this morning? Like a new life in Christ, it's a process. There's a spiritual word that we use, it's called sanctification. My sanctification is going to look incredibly different than some of your sanctification. And your sanctification is going to look different than my sanctification. This is a process that Jesus has us all in, and your process is going to look different than the person beside you. This is why we do not need to grow frustrated while we're in the process of our sanctification. Christ is sanctifying all of you, if you are a believer in Christ. But how that works out and how it looks for each of you is different. So do not grow weary, my friends, just because you think that you were supposed to be somewhere else in your journey and you're not. Because the Christian life, it's a process. And sometimes the process is a slow, slow crawl. Now for me, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't got time for no slowness. I ain't got time for you to be slow. I ain't got time for my kids to be slow. I ain't got time for me to be slow. Like, I'm just, it's just how I'm wired. But sometimes God stops me dead in my tracks just so I can feel the process that he's working. And sometimes it's not this speedy thing. Here's the other thing about freedom. And there's a new life in Christ. And this is ultimately what this looks like. And this is ultimately the, the whole point of this passage. 
that freedom, this surrendered, or, or, or this, this fulfillment, this new life in Christ is a surrendered heart in Christ. Freedom didn't require anything from this man except for a surrendered heart. Ultimate freedom. Not the physical, but the ultimate freedom. All it required was a surrendered heart. I think that this man thought he had, he had it together once he was physically healed. I mean, could you imagine being that guy? If you've been sick for 38 years, man, y'all know y'all be prancing around. I mean, if you ain't been able to walk, man, you'd be running everywhere. No? Okay, whatever. <laughs> if I hadn't been walking for 38 years, bro, I'd be sprinting everywhere. I mean, look at me, y'all! And I think this is what the, yeah, it'd be like Forrest. Um, I, and I think this is what this guy is probably doing here in my mind. He's thinking, y'all, I'm free, but that wasn't the freedom. The ultimate freedom is when Jesus had to get to him the second time and address his heart. That's when the freedom comes for you. Not when you finally think that you got your behaviors all together. Because you could fake that until you make it. But true freedom in Christ is when you have surrendered to him, when you have allowed him to renew your soul, renew your heart. That's what freedom looks like, is when you surrender your will, your life, everything over to Christ. That's what surrender looks like. And some of you, my friends, have been battling addictions. You've been battling uh, relational issues. You've been battling stuff for so long. Hear me closely. The only way out is surrender heart to Christ. That's it. God didn't come so that he can fix you and make you look pretty. He came to address your heart. And this is what this text is about. Again, here is John on repeat. If you haven't caught this, this is like a record is broken, man. With every encounter he has, he being Jesus, Jesus goes straight to the issue, and it's their heart. What is that thing that you need to surrender to Christ? Like, I think I feel like a broken record because this is how I end all of my sermons. But seriously, this is like what John is trying to get into our heads here. You want new life? You want joy? You want fulfillment that'll last eternally? And surrender. You want all of these things that will not bring freedom. Here's Christ saying, listen, just surrender your heart. That's what brings total freedom to you. Some of you may be here, you've been trying to get your life together. I say that all the time to my kids when they do something wrong. I'm like, get your life together. This is a constant thing that I say to my children. I understand that they may need therapy one day, but that's neither here nor there. Y'all can pay for that if you don't mind. Some of you think that um, like you're trying to get your life together and you're trying to, you know, check off a list of things to do. Can I just help you out? Stop. Just stop. 
Just surrender your life to Christ. Surrender that heart. That's how you find the freedom. Let's pray this morning. Father.